Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast. My name is Jake Eichert, and I am the Community Groups and Creative Director at Mission City Church, as well as the host of this podcast. Each week, you can find full-length sermons, five-minute sermon breakdowns, and inspiring conversations with guests about discipleship, current events, local outreach, and more. Our mission as a church is to make Jesus known, and we pray that this podcast does just that for you. If it does, please subscribe and share. But for now, please enjoy this episode of the Mission City Church Podcast. Good morning. Good to be with you guys. So uh, like Russell said, we are in a series called Love Your Neighbor. We started last week. And uh, just in case you missed it, quick recap of last week. So uh, we started with this story uh, we find in scripture of a lawyer who asked Jesus, one, he he asked him a question first. He says, you know, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, well, what what does scripture say about that? What do you believe? And uh, he says, you know, I need to love God and love my neighbor. And that's really where we get the idea of this series. Jesus goes on to tell him a story that doesn't really answer that question. I don't know if anybody caught that last week. Um, But it really just kind of creates this scenario where, yeah, you're not necessarily, you know, I'm not answering this question of like, who is your neighbor, but just telling you you need to be a neighbor for everyone and to uh, love them well. And so what we uh, are kind of walking through with this series is that not only includes people, you know, everywhere, but right next door, like literally your neighbor, uh, should be included in the idea of loving your neighbor. And so uh, we did this uh, exercise together where there's a, a piece of paper there where you could fill in your eight closest households or apartments or just dwelling places around you. I don't really know. Uh, you know, maybe there's some tents around. I don't know. Uh, let's, let's move on. Um, but there's, you know, your eight closest people around you, and if you didn't know who those people were, there was a challenge to, to start to get to know them. So anybody uh, get to know any new names this week or this last week? Yeah, got a few. Okay, perfect. Awesome. Uh, good for you guys. Thank you. Uh, that's great. If you heard that message or you are hearing it right now, would anyone be bold enough to say, what they feel like might be the biggest thing hindering them from getting to know their neighbors. Like, what's the biggest thing stopping you from getting to know your neighbor? Your literal physical neighbor. Anybody? I get it. It's kind of scary. What's that? Pride. Okay. That's a good one. Anybody? Selfishness. Okay. Yeah. How about time? Anybody feel like they just don't have time to do that? Uh, we tell ourselves a lot of excuses when it comes to time. I'm just too busy. Uh, maybe another time when things get slower, right? Uh, there just aren't enough hours in the day. Or my personal favorite, ain't nobody got time for that, right? Like we have a lot of reasons why we don't have time for certain things. And uh, there's a pastor uh, that we, I like a lot, our, our leadership team, um, likes by the name of John Mark Comer. He's uh, on the West Coast, and he wrote a book titled The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's a very aggressive title. It kind of tells you immediately what it's about and might feel overwhelming before you even open it up. But there's a lot of great stuff in there, and I want to point out this one specific quote for us this morning as we open up here. He says this. It should be on your screen. He says, Corey Ten Boom once said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. And there's truth in that. Both sin and busyness have the exact same effect. They cut off our, connection, our connection, your connection to God, to other people, and even to your own soul. Cut off your connection to God, to other people, and even to your own soul. Now, 
I don't know if you feel this. I imagine you probably do because you live in a similar place that I do. Uh, busyness oftentimes is more celebrated than not, right? Like, oh man, you know, life's good. It's just, we're just busy, you know? And almost like if you're not busy, there's something wrong with you. And yet, like, we read this quote, and I think it makes a lot of sense. And as I was thinking about this and kind of processing, um, if, you haven't, if it hasn't hit you yet, we're going to talk about time today. Uh, but as I was thinking about time and how we spend our time, I was thinking about this quote, like, man, I really do, like, I think being busy is, is a good thing. Um, and, and I struggle with this, and, and I do see where it can, at, at times, cut my relationship off with God and other people and even my own soul. And so uh, if we don't take the time to get to know our neighbors, we'll bring this back to kind of our point of l- knowing our literal neighbors. If we don't take that time, could we conclude that this quote is true and that our business has cut, off, cut us off from connection to others at least and maybe even to God and to our own soul? Now, uh, I want to kind of address uh, time and uh, this idea of time and how we get to know our neighbors with three questions and a statement today. Uh, the three questions sh- will be on the screen here, and they're this. Does the pace of your life allow for interruptions? Do you spend your time doing what is most important? And whose time is it? Whose time is it? Those are the three questions I want to talk through today. And then I want to give this kind of statement to wrap them all up and give us a little bit of an answer and a direction that we're going. This is kind of our big idea for today, is that God has given us the gift of time to be used wisely for our enjoyment and his glory. God has given us the gift of time to be used wisely for our enjoyment in his glory. So let's jump into that first question. Does the pace of your life allow for interruptions? Um, we talked in that first quote about how uh, busyness can cut us off from relationship to others. And so a uh, follow-up question to does the pace of your life allow for interruptions is this. How is the pace of your life impacting your relationships? How is the pace of your life impacting your relationships? Uh, John Ortberg wrote a book uh, titled The Life You Have Always Wanted, which I don't know about you, but if I saw that book on a shelf, I would immediately want to grab it and open up the first few pages, right? The life you have always wanted, that sounds like the secret code, right? We've cracked it. Um, But he wrote in this book that hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. He coined the phrase hurry sickness. He goes on to say that the reason hurrying is so dangerous is because love and hurry are not at all compatible because love always takes time and time is the one thing that hurried people don't have. So I ask again, how is the pace of your life impacting your relationships? Because loving relationships require us to allow interruptions. They, allow, they require us to give time. Nobody ever wants their presence to feel like it's an annoyance or an interruption to you. You probably, uh, all of us have been in a situation where we probably felt interrupted and most of us, if not all of us, have probably been in a situation where we felt like we were the interruption and it doesn't feel great. Um, And so loving relationships require time. They require us to allow interruptions with those that we love and care about. To love your neighbor forces you to allow interruptions from your neighbor. And sometimes going for a walk or meeting them can feel like an interruption, but that might be what loving your neighbor requires. Uh, Now, uh, I want to be very clear uh, that I am super guilty of this, uh, of not allowing for interruptions in my life. Uh, so if you're uh, w- reading that and you're like, or right now starting to feel a little bit of anxiety or fear of like, okay, where are we going with this? Because I'm, you know, you're kind of describing me right now. Hey, I'm waving the flag for I don't like interruptions in my life. And I'll give you a few examples here. 
Uh, huge struggle for me. So the other night, uh, Sarah comes in, she's about to go to bed, uh, and I have, I believe this is the order it was. So uh, NBA playoff game on the TV. I've got my laptop open with a, a Major League Baseball game on. Uh, I've got my iPad in front of me where I'm just like screwing around with like a game. And she comes in and is like, oh wow, three screens? What are you, like where's your phone at? And I actually had my phone next to me. I was like texting somebody about the game I was watching or one of the games. I was like, no, I got that too, don't worry. Four screens, really? That's like, that's what you need? You can't even watch two, like you can maybe watch two of them at the same time, probably not. Uh, but like really, that's, so that's the pace that I'm living at, <laughs> is bouncing my eyes around from four different screens at night. Uh, and so you can understand when I say that I struggle with allowing for interruptions to love people well, like that's a huge struggle for me because that's the pace that I enjoy. Efficiency uh, is a huge thing for me. Like I want things to be done in a timely order. I want to uh, create a process or a system for how I can get things done in the quickest, best way possible and then just rapid fire move through that. Uh, I like um, progress, like a, almost to an unhealthy point of like I feel good about my day based off of did I get enough done that day, right? I don't know if any of you can uh, uh, feel that way as well. Uh, but with this, and this might sound ironic, but I also find myself sometimes as a procrastinator. And you know what you can't allow as a procrastinator? Interruptions, because you are already pushed against your deadline. We can't have any more, I've already interrupted myself enough, okay? Every time I sit down to do this, I get distracted with something else and I've pushed it off. I can't allow you to interrupt my time because I have to get this done. I've got a deadline, right? And so uh, when you are kind of in that mindset, interruptions just can't happen. Now, I have this, I had this realization though, that if that's the case, then do I think that Jesus didn't accomplish very much? Because I would argue that Jesus did accomplish a lot, but that he was never hurried and he always had time for interruptions. We see a lot, like many examples in scripture where Jesus is interrupted. There's, uh, if you read, there's uh, multiple accounts of everybody familiar or most of you familiar with the feeding of the 5,000, right? That story comes on the heels of Jesus sends, sends out his uh, apostles and they're doing all these healings and uh, like casting out demons and all this great stuff and uh, they come back to him and they celebrate and he goes, okay, we need to go away to a desolate place so we can go pray and be with God and like we are exhausted and he gets in a boat and all these people see him get in the boat and they run around the lake to the other side so they can catch him when he lands or when they, when they get you know, to the other side. And they immediately start, you know, wanting to have audience with him. They want to talk to him. They, like, immediately as he's trying to get away, there's a new crowd on the other side of the lake. That, and, and the response of Jesus in Scripture says, and he had compassion for them. And he began to teach and heal and continued the work that he was doing. And Jesus allowed for interruption. Uh, I want to dive into a more specific example here. If you have uh, a Bible with you or you want to follow along on phone or tablet or whatever, it'll also be on the screen here. But Mark chapter 5, and we'll start in verse 21. Uh, we're going to look at two examples here where uh, Jesus is interrupted, and then he actually has an interruption in the midst of dealing with an interruption, which is just interruption inception happening right there. Uh, but uh, starting in verse 21 of Mark chapter 5, it says this. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. 
Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be well, made well and live. That's interruption number one, right? He gets across the sea. He's going to teach or do what he's going to do. He gets interrupted by a synagogue leader to go and to heal his daughter. Back to verse 24. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. So not only is he interrupted and in going to this house, but now he's mobbed by a group of people. And there was a woman, er, a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew, grew worse. She had heard the reports that Jesus, about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she fell in her body, and she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceived, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? Now, I want to pause for a second here. Um, anybody get so busy that they don't understand or they don't, like, recognize that they're getting tired? Like, like Jesus, when Jesus says, like, he perceived that power had gone out from him, I'm like, you had time to realize that you were getting tired? I usually just kind of crash on the couch at night. That's kind of like realizing that I'm overtired, right? But Jesus, because he's not hurried, because he has time for interruptions, recognizes something has happened, something has shifted in me. Power has gone out from me. And the disciples have this really funny interaction here. So he says, who touched my garments? And the disciples said to him, you see the crowds pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched you? Like, there's, you're surrounded by people. Really? That's your question is like, who everyone's touching you. I don't know if you picked up on that. And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So even though he's on his way to deal with one interruption, there's a second interruption that follows. And he takes time to not only just allow the healing to happen, but then to stop and actually address the woman and tell her that she has been forgiven as well. Now, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Um, I wonder if at this point the ruler is annoyed that Jesus got interrupted on the way. Like they're coming out saying, hey, your daughter's dead. Why are you bothering him? Is there any thought in his mind of, well, if we just hadn't taken time for this woman who needed, who touched him and him to turn around and see in a crowd of people all touching him and wonder who touched him, maybe we would have got there in time. There's maybe an annoyance of someone else's interruption that could even, you know, hinder him from, from seeing why did we take the time to deal with that? My daughter is dying. But Jesus says, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, I'm not even going to pretend to read that. It's just, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement, and he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and he told, and told them to give her something to eat. Jesus accomplished 
so much without ever seeming rushed, and he allowed for interruptions in his life. And I believe that he did this, and this will get to our second question, because he spent time doing what was most important. Jesus spent his time doing what was most important. So here's the second question. Do you spend your time doing what is most important? I think we live in our kind of day and age in this tension of what is urgent and what is important, right? And sometimes those things can overlap for sure. The important things can feel urgent, but sometimes the things that are urgent actually take the place of what's actually important. We feel like things have to be done right now or certain things have a deadline or they feel like they're just, uh, like we would just kind of need to get rid of this weight that's on our shoulders in order to deal with what's urgent so that we can uh, then focus on the important. But unfortunately, I think a lot of times when we're dealing so much with the urgent, we just don't find the time for what's important. Um, And so uh, as we dive into some of the questions here and uh, ultimately with our uh, action step for this week, I want to just give a very practical tip. And most of you have probably heard this before or uh, knows, but it's always a good reminder that if we don't schedule what's important, we will only do what is urgent. If we don't schedule what is important, we will only do what is urgent. Uh, I learned a lesson early on when I was doing student ministry about this kind of uh, idea and that I felt like, uh, and this was kind of the model that we used, that we wanted to really uh, focus on the leaders of our small groups. So uh, we had a teaching time and then after that we would break up into small groups and allow uh, certain volunteers to just kind of take you know, the lesson or whatever and, and really build relationships with the students that we were working with. And uh, I felt like because that time and the responsibility that those leaders had was so great, uh, then the the best thing that I could do is make sure that I was, uh, you know, building up and encouraging those leaders, those volunteers. And what I found myself doing is I kept telling uh, my, our, our pastor of the church that I was working at, at the time, like, hey, I, I think it's really important for me to pray for these leaders, but I just never do it. And I don't, I, I think it's important, but it just feels like I get busy with other things and it just doesn't happen. And, and he said this really, like, it seems obvious thing, but like, well, why don't you put it on your calendar to pray for them? And it was like light bulb moment, right? And I, I, know, I get that that sounds really simple, but sometimes we have to apply that principle when we know what's important and it's not getting done because we're so wrapped up in what's urgent. And sometimes we just have to schedule it. And so uh, as you're getting to know your neighbors or as you're considering how to do that, I would encourage you to just put it on your schedule that we're going to take this block of time this week or this day and we're going to walk the neighborhood and see who's out and try to get to know their name. Just, you know, because if you don't, what you'll probably end up doing is dishes, laundry, cooking, cleaning. You know, it just, the urgent begins to overcome the important. But, Maybe you're not convinced that getting to know your neighbor is important. So uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, see how, so uh, let's do this. Uh, I got a question for you, and I've asked a lot of questions this morning. I, I realized that, but uh, I want to take a moment for you to just list the top five priorities that you can think of in your mind. Maybe five's too many if you want to just go three uh, or, or even just one, but, but try to get to five priorities. What are the things that matter most to you? Top five priorities. I'll give you just a minute. In other words, what is most important to you?
because you've got that list in your mind, uh, I want to ask you where you feel like these two things land on that list. So when, uh, go back to last week, so when uh, the lawyer asked Jesus, how do I inherit eternal life? The two things that he comes to the conclusion that Jesus encouraged him with are to love God and to love your neighbor. To love God, love people. Now, those might be a little more general than you were thinking or whatever, but I'm wondering where those two things land on that top five list of what's most important or what your priorities are. Because it seems like to me that Jesus ranks love your neighbor, love people pretty highly on his list of priorities. And when we think about where we place our time, our time should line up with what we find to be most important, what we prioritize. Uh, Another quote from uh, John Mark Comer in his book is, where you put your resources is where you put your heart. It's a steering wheel to to your engine of desire. It's a steering wheel to the engine of your desire, where we, what we find to be most important, where we put uh, our time, a a valuable resource, is the steering wheel to the engine of our desire. So where do we find these priorities? I want to point you to uh, uh, Matthew chapter 10. Uh, verse 26 through 33. And this is uh, in the midst of uh, this teaching that Jesus is giving. So he's about to send his disciples out and they're gonna go and they're gonna teach and they're gonna uh, heal people and do all these things in the country. But he, he has this entire chapter of Matthew 10 that he's gonna teach them about all the things that they're gonna encounter and uh, try to give them kind of one last big you know, me- message message uh, before they go out. And so this is uh, right in the middle of that. Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, So have no fear of them, for nothing that is covered, nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. It's important. People are very important to God. And the fear of me getting to know those people in the things of this world cannot be more for a follower of Jesus than the fear of God himself. A common phrase that people say is something like, uh, time is the one thing you can never get more of, right? Time is the one thing that you can never get more of. I have a secret for you. That's not true. It's not true. And here's how. If you believe that Jesus came to earth, lived a perfect life, and died on your behalf for your sins, His offer to you is eternal life. His offer to you is an endless amount of time. And that's the offer that we also get to offer to our neighbor. So we can offer someone endless amounts of time. I can write you a blank check of time in the next life because I know what Jesus did for me and I believe that he did that for you too. And that's the message that we have for our neighbors as well. We are ambassadors of that offer But if we value our time here on earth as this is the only time that we have, then it makes sense uh, that we would, you know, try to, that we would hoard it more. Um, But if we get off, we get to offer this chance of eternity uh, of time in the best place ever to those around us. See, uh, this is actually an incredible investment strategy. See, if you take 
five to 10 minutes of time to have a conversation with someone or to allow for an interruption in your day, it could lead to an eternity of time uh, gained in the best place ever for that person, for your neighbor, for the person you're having a conversation with. If I told you that a five to 10 minute amount of your salary could then provide you an eternity of money and you would never have to worry about money again, you would all be asking me, where can I find that investment? Or what am I supposed to put that five to 10 minutes of money into, right? I want that. And yet that's the exact same offer that we have for something that I would argue is more valuable than money. Time is more valuable than money. If you had no time but all the money in the world, the money would be worthless. So here's my final thought on this section. The opportunity to share those five to 10 minutes to offer someone an eternity of time doesn't crack our top five list of what's most important. I think we should take a look at what's most important to us. And maybe the reason we don't think about spending our time this way is because we think about it too much as our time. And that leads me to our last question is whose time is it? I believe that life is a gift from God. He created us, he breathed life into us, he offers us eternal life. Uh, It's almost like uh, my dad, when I was younger, had a watch that required it to be wound. I don't know if you, today we kind of have digital clocks and all that, so watches have kind of just, uh, you know, thing on your wrist, right? I actually have a watch that's broken. (laughs) It never, it doesn't tell time, but I wear it sometimes just because it's like, that's that's why we have watches today. Uh, They don't actually tell time. I just check my phone for that. I don't need that. Um, But my dad had this watch that needed to be wound. And I, and it it hit me as I was thinking about this, like God giving us life, breathing life into us, and then, uh, you know, offering us life forever is that like God created the clock. He starts winding it and he's the one that keeps winding it. He keeps giving us more time, but occasionally we look at the clock and think that we are in control of the time. Uh, This week as I was preparing for this message, I asked a couple friends, uh, what do you think Jesus' priorities here on earth were? You know, if we want to order our priorities and how we spend our time, what do you think Jesus' number one priorities were? And and I thought that I would get, you know, like... uh, sharing the gospel or uh, dying for us or, you know, what a number of different things. But, but the answer I got back actually kind of surprised me, but I, I think it's, it's better and it encompasses all of that. And w- so when I asked, what is Jesus' priority? The response was the will of his father. The will of his father. In other words, he recognized that his time was not his own. He was there to do the will of his father. His time was the father's time. In John chapter 6, we see this idea uh, in Scripture, starting in verse 37. It says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And so what do we see that Jesus is doing here? He's saying that I it came to do the will of my Father. What's the will of my Father? To seek the lost and to offer them eternal life. A part of following, what Je- following Jesus is doing what Jesus did, including the will of his Father. And the will of his Father is to offer eternal life to those that would believe. We have this offer to give to our neighbors. God has given us, I want to just kind of conclude with this 
point again that God has given us the gift of time to be used wisely for our enjoyment and his glory. I'm going to invite the band to come back up as we uh, talk about where to go from here. So if this is true, if God has given us this gift, and I want to kind of go back through, so whose time is it? It is technically our time. It's been given to us, but it's been given to us by God to do his will, to be used wisely, that we should prioritize and make time for what is most important, and it is for our enjoyment and his glory, and that we should allow the pace of our life to have interruptions. One, to take some weight off of ourselves, not be so busy, might help that connection to our neighbors and ourselves and God, but also for the glory of God as well. And so here's the action step. So last week, again, action one was to get to know the names of your eight closest neighbors. This week, uh, our challenge is to take one hour throughout the week. could be cumulative, could be all at once, however you want to do it. Uh, to take one hour to spend at least this week in your front yard or in a common area, your apartment, your condo, maybe in your, just in your neighborhood. Uh, my plan before I looked at the weather forecast was to just take a 15-minute walk every day. Uh, that's kind of our traditional uh, rhythm of things. When Sarah gets home, if the weather's decent outside, we uh, take the baby and the dog for a 15-minute walk around our neighborhood, do that four times. That's our, that's our goal. We're, we made it. We might have to wear a few extra layers for this week to, to accomplish that and pray really hard that our neighbor is actually outside to have a conversation with. But how do you want to spend your hour? If we believe that it's important that we do the will of God and that his will be that everyone who believes in the Son should have eternal life, we have a blank check of time to offer to our neighbors. Could we use an hour of our own? to bring that news to them. I'm going to pray for us and then we'll talk about how we can respond a little more this morning. God, I pray that this morning you would be moving in us. Lord, I, this message is very convicting for myself. Um, you know as well as I do that I struggle with this greatly. And so I pray that you would Give me a heart for my neighbors. God, that I would love them by allowing interruptions in my schedule, that those that are in this room would do the same. Lord, that we would see what is most important in life, namely to love you with everything we have and to love our neighbor, to love the people around us. And would that extend to our literal physical neighbor across the street, across the hall, down the street, wherever it may be, God, would you give us the courage to go and to have conversations that may lead to an eternity of glory for your name. And we thank you that you have given us this offer of eternal life uh, that we have received so that we can say, you know what, this time, it's just part of an eternity of time for me. And I can give up this time because I've been, I've graciously received it from you. You're the author of life. And in you we find true life. We pray this in Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Merriam Community Center off Slater Street between Johnson Drive and Shawnee Mission Parkway. We also have five community groups that meet throughout the KC Metro. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com or send me an email at jake at missioncitykc.com.